Welcome to the Clinical Podcast Series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. The topic for today's episode is socioeconomic and geographic disparities in idiopathic intracranial hypertension. I'd like to thank our host, Dr. Mila Bruchik, our topical expert, Dr. Beth Sparrow, and our topical editor, Dr. Kat Hogan. It is my pleasure to bring you today's podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Mila Brujic, and welcome to the American Academy of Optometry podcast series. I'm joined here today with Beth Sparrow. Dr. Sparrow, uh, can you give the audience a little bit of a background on yourself? Sure. Um, I teach here at Southern College of Optometry. I've been on faculty for over 20 years, and part of that time, I also split my time at uh, Church Health Center here in Memphis, which is the largest faith-based uh, community health center in the in the country, and I also work with our primary care residents here, and mainly I work in the clinic with our third-year students. That's great, and I think I think it's super appropriate to the to the article that we're going to be talking about here. So, Beth, could you um, give us the title of the article, and then just give us a brief summary, specifically why this paper is important to optometry? Sure. So, the title of this article is "Socioeconomic and Geographic Disparities in Idiopathic Intracranial Hypertension." Um, and they did a retrospective study and looked at over 200 patients who were diagnosed with IIH and compared that to almost 5,000 patients that did not have IIH. And they compared the proportion of patients with IIH who were of racial or ethnic minority, whether or not they lived in low-income census tracts, whether or not they lived in food deserts or food swamps. And they found was that overwhelmingly the proportion of patients with IIH were more apt to be black, Hispanic, and live in low income census tracts and live in food swamps. That's... I think all of that is important because I feel like most of us, we all see patients that are of childbearing age that are female um, and obesity is such a problem uh, in the United States. So it, it's not gonna be long before we encounter these patients. Well, I was just about to ask you, like, how does this information then apply to us clinically, and um, and how can we how can we take this information and apply it clinically and really leverage it to improve patient care? Right. So, one of the interesting things I thought, and we, and we I think we all have heard the term probably food desert at this point, where a food desert is where they, the patient may not have access to. Uh, fruits and vegetables. They may not be near a grocery store. One of the interesting things was this article also talked about food swamps and food swamps are areas where there is so much fast food and so many convenience stores. And those areas are going to have high calories, but they're gonna be of very low quality. All of this leads to obesity. Um, it's well known that in minority communities, you're going to have less income typically, and you're typically going to have less access to quality food all of these things are going to lead to obesity. So I think a lot of it uh, is with a lot of what we do is, is patient education and talking to our patients and that they need to make good lifestyle choices. And, and we need to also lobby the, to be able to give them the opportunity. And obviously this applies to people that are not just minorities, but it's going to affect them disproportionately. Yeah, I'll tell you, Beth, reading the article was just absolutely eye-opening and to see that this is happening mm -hmm. in the United States is absolutely remarkable. Right. Can you, can you give us maybe a point or two um, 
on the things that we should be sharing with our patients regarding some of the findings from this paper or article or something that might be um, very applicable to, to the patients themselves. Right. So I think once, you know, a patient is, is diagnosed with, um, with IIH, then certainly I think, again, patient education is huge and that we strongly, you know, and the next steps that we need to do, which are we need to get them in for an MRI, we need to get them in for an MRV, we need to get them referred to neurology, you know, we need to stress the importance of follow-ups to our patients, we need to stress the importance, certainly of weight loss, and obviously that can be a hard conversation to have with a patient. And I think that goes along with our patients that are diabetic, our patients that are hypertensive um, as well, not, not just these patients too, but that, um, that studies show that even a 6% weight loss for these patients can make a huge change in the outcome of the disease as well, whether or not the recurrence. So, um, and I also think one of the things once they've been diagnosed is that we need to stress that this can definitely be a blinding condition and that they need to realize the seriousness of, of what they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Beth, you, you bring up a lot of great points. Um, to kind of close it off, I, I'd love to ask you this one final question here. Is there anything that you'd like further to see from the research um, based on what you're seeing from this paper? Is there something in the horizon where you feel like, I really think that if we knew X, Y, Z, this would even help us better care for these individuals or these patients? I think even though that, you know, the predominant uh, ones in this case were that were, were black females and that it that pseudotumors uh, the IIH seems to be much more aggressive in African-American patients. I think that's interesting to try to figure out why. And, and then I think also too, when you look at all of the other social determinants of health that factor in, um, it, it can't just be race alone. There, there have to be other issues that, uh, you know, whether it's access to food, whether it's transportation issues, um, all of these things are, are, are going to factor in, in these, with these patients. Yeah. Eye care is, and healthcare in general is just very transactional. And we sometimes forget that these patients, they leave our offices and they have these lives and these habits. And sometimes right. maybe just even a little something in the exam room can influence that right. in a positive way. Beth, this was, this was awesome information. Great, great, great information. And thank you for joining us here today on the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of the American Academy of Optometry podcast series. And a special thanks to CooperVision for their educational grant to make it all happen.